Hey, hey, it's Jill Herman. Welcome back to BU Podcast. So we are talking all things confidence in this episode. It's a topic that I have covered on solo episodes before. I've never covered this in an interview. And I'm really, really excited for you to hear this conversation with Kelly Lynn Adams. You know, confidence being your birthright. You know, even just hearing that title, for me, it evokes a lot of emotion. It really, really makes me also think. And I want you to know a little bit more about Kelly Lynn Adams before you hear the episode. I want you to know how highly trained she is and the depth of her knowledge. And it's really interesting if you hear her background here. So Kelly Lynn Adams is a certified master coach. She's award-winning. She is an international speaker. She actually spent almost 20 years in corporate America working in the most amazing places. So she worked with Gucci, DKNY Jeans, Kenneth Cole, Bed Bath & Beyond, just to name a few. You know, she does like seminars, workshops, individual coaching. She has spoken and coached individuals and teams in some pretty interesting companies that you may have heard of, like Kate Spade, Pinterest, Yelp, NBA, Playboy, The New York Times, NASDAQ, Tory Burch, and Athleta. No big deal. She is a contributor to Entrepreneur Magazine. She's been sought out by the media and featured on Forbes.com, Thrive Global, Huffington Post, The Good Men Project. She's been seen on CBS, Fox, ABC, you name it. So when Kelly is working with individuals or with teams, what she's doing is helping people redefine success. And she does that by showing them how to with several modalities. You can't just talk at people, right? She's a coach who understands somatics. She is trauma-informed. She helps them shift and reprogram their mindset, their thoughts. She increases their confidence. She helps them to reclaim their power and embodiment. And she supersizes their self-love. I love that. As I said, she's trauma-informed and she's trained. She uses different modalities and methodologies within her coaching, like neuroscience, NLP, which is neuro-linguistic programming, IFS, which is internal family systems, parts work, it's called, emotional intelligence, somatic release techniques, and cognitive behavioral therapy techniques. She also incorporates science and spirituality within her work. She is freaking amazing. So here she is on BU Podcast, Kelly Lynn Adams. There is nothing more inspiring than a woman being unapologetically herself. The answers are all in your heart. She's waiting, she's waiting, she's waiting for you to set her free. Welcome to BU Podcast. I'm Jill Herman, and I am so glad you're here. I was broke, insecure, and craved approval. But with grit, hustle, and sacrifice, I still built a successful multi-million dollar business. 10 years in, burnout, I slowed down and looked inward. In that silence, I discovered that the same level of success could have come to me with much less effort and so much more joy. That's when I threw out the expectations of the world and chose to unbecome every single thing I thought I was supposed to be. And the real me was uncaged. It was far from easy. And in this podcast, I'll offer my entire journey as a roadmap. 
so that if you're ready, you can finally be you. Welcome, Kelly Lynn, to BU Podcast. Thank you so much, Jill, for having me on. I'm super excited to be here. I am too. And I appreciate that you like the podcast. I appreciate that you've listened. And I know everyone is going to get a lot out of this conversation. You know, we could have gone in a million directions, but we decided to talk about something that is a struggle and a dance for every single, I'd say one person, but we talk to mostly women. And that is confidence. So let's just break that down and talk about like, if I think about confidence, what would you say to me as a coach? Because I know what you do and how well you do it. If, if I said to you that I struggle with confidence, what would you say to me about that? Yeah, it's such a good question. And I still struggle with confidence. <laughs> so it is, I think, on a universal plane, there's a lot of people that may deal with certain aspects of confidence, right? We can talk about body confidence. We can talk about when you walk in the room, how do you feel? We can talk about all of that. And confidence shows up, I think, in every aspect of our lives. And you and I both know, right? The past programming and society and all of the limiting beliefs as we were programmed as children, they're in there. So it's a conversation of how can we unlearn, reprogram, Mm. and embody it at a deeper level of going back to the inner child, right? It's the inner child work as well of loving ourselves so deeply and unconditionally that it, it just is. Love is just is. And so I think for me, uh, I've definitely had my ups and downs with confidence, you know, from as a kid, I know they would, they would call me like thunder thighs and I was developed very early at a young age. I have chronic illnesses, psoriatic arthritis, psoriasis on my skin. Like that has always been, you know, different things that would, I would say like chip away at the confidence, but also build me up with the confidence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that. Thank you for sharing that. So when we go back to the question I asked you, I love that the first thing you said was, I struggle with confidence because of it's, here's what's so crazy. I know rationally, of course you do because you're human, but look what we do as women. I'm like, you do? You seem so confident. How could you struggle with confidence? Because I just, I, it's hard to imagine. I think our listeners are in the same place. Like they can't imagine that other women, especially women that have what they think that they want or they look a way that they want to look or they have this idea of their life that is probably not accurate. They can't imagine that that woman has any issues with confidence. And I love that you said, what we probably should start this with is that every single woman has struggled with it or still maybe not doesn't struggle with it, but it's it's still there because of what's underneath. So if you don't mind, even though many of our listeners are quite sophisticated in their growth, they know exactly what you're talking about, we should review it. And for those who are newer to this inner work, they're like, what is she talking about? Why does my confidence at 45 have anything to do with inner child work or what were the three steps? You almost named three steps of what you need to do. Yeah, well, it's definitely the inner child work. It's, I think it's consistently stepping into the unknown and being scared and and taking off the masks and, you know, it gets easier and easier. 
And three, it's just, I think it's unconditionally and radically like loving yourself in the moment the best you can. Mm. Because some days will be, might be harder than others and that's okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you mentioned, again, what is maybe common knowledge for coaches or many of our listeners, but it is worth repeating and not common knowledge for a lot of people listening or even a new listener. You talked about like reprogramming and you talked about in, in our dialogue and the little girl in us. Do you mind taking us through some of that? Like, what do you mean by that? And why do we have to go there? Like, can't you just pump me up? Can't you just like help me pump my fist and jump around and drink a kale smoothie and do what Rachel Hollis told us for years and then we'll be confident? Right. Yeah. And that's a Band-Aid. And that can last. Kind of like fast food. You get that hit and it's like, oh, it tastes so good. And then five minutes later, right? (laughs) (laughs) So it's deeper. It's deeper than that, right? Because we get to look at where the confidence was chipped away or where maybe the little boy or little girl pushed you on the playground and called you names or bullied you or you heard something or or saw something in society. I mean, social media, let's just take that for the next generations that are coming and even these generations, right? They're going to be bombarded with social media all day long with images of body, right? And how things should look with all these filters on. So it's stripping away at that. And I also have my own journey with that. I still use filters here and there. And the conversation is deeper because it's loving yourself in the mess, in the imperfections. And we carry, a lot of times we carry these beliefs. We have 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day. So if we just look at those thoughts, I had a mentor, T. Harv Eckerd, and I went to one of his conferences and he had us put a rubber band around our wrist for about a couple of days. And he's like, every time you have a negative thought or think negatively about yourself, I want you to snap that rubber band oh, around gosh. your wrist. I would be bleeding. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the thoughts perspective. But you and I both know that yes, it's the thoughts and it's the embodiment. It's the trauma that's stored and stuck in your body. So we get to heal that, whether that's getting angry, whether that's releasing that in different ways, because the body keeps score, like the book says. And so for me, I believe it is a mind, body, soul healing. You can definitely go to the conferences and get all riled up, but you're going to come crashing down. And how sustainable is that? And if we don't get to the core of the self-love conversation and loving yourself without makeup or loving yourself really stripped down, Mm -hmm. really loving yourself. You're right. And that's why a woman gets plastic surgery and makes herself look perfect and still feels bad or doesn't feel pretty. Or the woman who loses the 60 pounds, she says, if I just lost that 60 pounds, my life would be different. And she loses the 60 pounds and feels no different, right? Or the person who finally gets money or they get the blue check mark or on social media or whatever, and they feel no different. Because what I hear you saying is because it just is so deep. It is not at all what we think it's about. The confidence is 
you know, coming from or the lack of confidence is coming from deep, not just deep stuff from our past, but things we don't remember, subconscious stuff. Trauma doesn't mean you were beaten and you were, you know, abused or sexually violated or I mean, the trauma can just be like you said, a comment of thunder thighs on the playground by only one kid in your whole life. And your body feels that and just sticks it away and stores it. And I've told people that when I invite people on this show, and I told you this, I'm so selective. There are a lot of people that are great. But for this audience, it's only going to be people who are trauma informed. And I love that besides, you know, what the most recent certification and training, because there are two different things that you just accomplished over this last year, you already had so much success in coaching and mentoring women. And now you've added this even broader perspective of being trauma informed. So I just want to make a side note to the person listening that when Kelly says that, and she talks about embodiment, she has it embodied. That's why I have her on here. She's not someone who's just talking about it. So what would you say to her? The person listening is like, okay, I kind of get that. It's making sense. But I still am I'm not understanding what you mean by like, how do you embody it? Like you go back and talk about your trauma. Do you like, how do you do that? Yeah, it, it looks different, I think, for each person. And, and thank you for that. Because what I like to say is, be a constant student. And I'm always pushing <laughs> and leaning in and unraveling and questioning where does this come from? So anyone can start anywhere. And I think it depends on how people feel, like what work is. There's tons of things you can do and around trauma. And you and I both know trauma is just too much, too fast, too soon. And we could be going years and years of healing. I mean, that is, it's our evolution of the unlearning, reprogramming embodiment. And so people can start really anywhere, whether that's inner child work, right? Of, of really getting familiar with, okay, how did that two-year-old or how did that six-year-old version of yourself, what did that child need? What did you need at that time that maybe your parents or caretakers or were, whatever environment you were in wasn't providing what needs were not getting met? And then also there's all different things, internal family system. There is literally getting into your body, like releasing trauma from your body, working with a practitioner. So there's all these different things we can do. And I like to tell people, really listen to your intuition because that has been my best guide of where do I need to be in my body? Like I truly believe... You know, I landed in the hospital. I was in corporate America for 18 years in the retail and fashion industry. And what I was doing is, you know, my traumas definitely came up because my work was disguised in like a worthiness conversation. So I needed, my thought process then was I needed to work hard to feel worthy. So I would push myself and push myself to the point of, and I knew I was doing it. That's the funny thing. It wasn't like I wasn't aware. I knew exactly what I was doing. I was eating fast food for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I was getting car home, car rides home. I was doing this for this need, these needs that weren't being met. And I landed in the hospital. And at that moment, like I got to make a decision of, okay, what does this look like for me? And this could be, yeah, I have many moments like this. <laughs> and I'm sure the listeners have too. It's, it's that moment of like, okay, What's a different decision? Am I going to look at my healing? Am I not going to look at my healing? Let me ask you something. 
So when you say I knew what I was doing. Yeah. At that time, not looking back, but at that time, what did you tell yourself? I know what I'm doing, but I, did you know you were doing it for your worth or what you're saying is, or or are you saying, no, I knew it wasn't good for me, but I just couldn't get myself to stop. Is it because you needed that worthiness and that approval? I mean, you were, tell them, I mean, they probably heard it in the intro, but tell them the company you were working for. Yeah, I was working for all high-end luxury companies. So companies like, you know, Gucci, DKY jeans, Kenneth Cole, like any, <laughs> all the well-known fashion brands. Oh, okay. I thought it was just Gucci. Okay. Got it. Yeah. And so it wasn't the brands. It was me. It wasn't, it's never the external circumstance. It's always the inner conversation that you're having. And so when you say, I knew what I was doing, I knew I wasn't eating right. I knew I wasn't getting sleep. I knew that I'm going to keep working hard to get the love and appreciation, validation and recognition that I so desperately did not receive. You knew that at the time? You were that aware that you knew that you were trying to get like love and attention or is that looking back? Looking back. Okay. I think looking back because in the moment, I did crave the recognition. Mm-hmm. I did crave the recognition. And every time... I achieved something, I knew that it was going to be praise associated with that. That's a ding, ding, ding for a lot of people listening. Why are you doing it? Why are you doing it? I want the reward. I want that external thing to make me feel internally peaceful. Mm. And so that, like you said, the money, the blue check mark <laughs> on social media, anything we get done to our bodies, our face, all of that. And one thing I know that you and I know from our training that I want to point out too is if someone says, well, I just can't relate. I would have never eaten fast food like that. And it wasn't about the food. It's that, and tell me if you agree with this, because we could take this in so many directions, but because I've been there for years in that position that you're talking about, certainly wasn't working for Gucci and DKNY, but I, when I ate like that and I was go, 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 I realized that it was not just the convenience of the food. It's like I was I was in such a mode of like hyper vigilance and fight or flight that I was my body craved food that wasn't nutrient dense. My body craved a quick hit, uh, you know, the sugar, the processed food because it made my body feel a certain way. Did you feel that way too? Like it fed the way I was being. Like it all fit together. Like when you slow down and you're grounded, you're really not craving McDonald's. No. And so, yes. So it's being in that survival mode and seeking the security in any way, shape or form that you can. Mm. Oh, you say that again? So it's when you're in survival mode, that fight or flight or freeze or fawn, or you just need to get something done. You are seeking the security of what's going to make you feel good. Like what's going to make me feel good in the moment. So that's why some people will go to the fast food or that's why people will maybe drink a green juice and then, I don't know, (laughs) do something wacky afterwards, right? Like it's not about the thing. It's about the survival mode and then what we're seeking as safety in order to get the needs met so we can kind of just relax. Again, Mm, that Band-Aid. Trying so hard to feel good. Yeah. We've never talked about this on the show. This is such a good conversation. This is the kind of stuff that girlfriends don't even talk about with each other, but they want to. They feel like they're the only one. I mean, I have a friend I can think of right now who is a listener. She's listening. I know she's listening. 
And when you look at her, Kelly, it's like you would never imagine that she ate anything other than pure organic food. One, because of the way she physically looks, but two, because of how much she works out and what you know her lifestyle is. And she said to me, oh, are you kidding me? She said, Jill, I don't just eat fast food. I probably eat fast food at least minimum of three times a week. Now, no judgment there. But she also is in a a career that is super demanding and high paced and she's got a bunch of kids and it's just go, go, go. And it's, I think that someone listening might say, oh my God, thank you for saying that because I thought I was the only person who did that. And it's like, it's almost like they're trying to soothe themselves. Yeah, self-soothing. And it's like, this is where the crack in the confidence is. It's the self-soothing so we can feel confidence because there's something, we can be the fake confidence, right? That's what I was doing in the fashion world. I had all these masks on. I had the best handbag. I had the best shoes. I had the best clothes. And guess what? Inside, I was literally a mess, a hot mess. Yet, you wouldn't know it because I assumed the confident position. So what we're talking about here is the internal confidence, right? Because you could look the part, you could put on the makeup, you can mask yourself. And right, that's where the inner healing comes in of of where are the cracks in your confidence that you get to heal. And for me, it's a lifelong journey. I get to literally peel back the layers of the onion. So people get to look at that because it's it's being honest too of where you're at. And it's okay. Everyone's at a different place. There's no judgment here. And it's just how can you get honest with yourself and know that you may need healing and help. And it's okay because we're all a work in progress. Like no one's perfect. Mm-hmm. Describe for us, what does embodied confidence look like, sound like? How does that move through the world? What is a woman who has embodied confidence? How does she come across? Or maybe how does she even feel internally? She feels, I believe, at peace. Like there's an essence to her, right? There's an essence that she's also okay with all of her flaws, right? Just letting it be, um, activating and, and showing up. Maybe not as confident as you think she is, but she's still putting her one foot in, step in front of the other to step forward. So someone can be really, truly confident. Like you and I can both say Lizzo, the singer Lizzo, rapper Lizzo. To me, from the outside, she embodies confidence, body confidence, confidence on all levels. But do we really truly know that from an internal perspective? I haven't sat down with Lizzo and and spoken with her, but I wonder if she has little cracks in her confidence. So I think confidences can be mean different things to different people. However, there is an essence and an energy from an embodiment standpoint, like it's a groundedness. And maybe you're not totally grounded, but there's that one part of your life that you're like, I'm good at this. Like I rock this. I know this, right? So we can all find these like pieces of our life that you are a hundred percent confident no matter what. Even if you don't feel 95% confident, you can find that 5% or 1% because everyone has it. Everyone. And the way I'm thinking about this, when we talk about embodied confidence, like someone who has found, you know, I'm really, really confident and really 
really, truly confident in this one area. Let's just say it's work or it's as a mother or whatever it is, or it's my looks. But yet they're falling apart with so much lack of confidence in other areas. Like the the woman who has accepted and learned to love her flaws, accepts and openly says that she messes up and that she has fears and she gets insecure and she sometimes feels jealous or envious. But yet she has, like you said, this grounded confidence. Like I haven't met a lot of people that have that. And as you said, it takes a while. You have to get to know someone because you never really know what you're seeing. But one person that I would say, well, I won't name the person, but I've been coached by people who it's like, I have this vision, right? That they have all this confidence. And then they say to me, look, I'm human too. I get jealous. Or sometimes I, in fact, this one coach openly said, she's beautiful. She openly shared an example where there were some people that were younger than her around her husband and some friends and they were in Vegas. And the people at this VIP, whatever it was in Vegas, invited all the other wives or girlfriends and not her. And she's like 10 years older than them. And she's like, that crushed me. And I was shocked because she is to me embodied confidence. But I see what you're saying. It's still, you're still going to have these little parts that show up. And so she knew what to do. And she went into her hotel room and said to her husband, you go ahead with them. And she went to her hotel room and she did her work. She beat her pillow with her fists and she got the anger out and she cried, 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 cried. She took a bath and she was fine after that. And, and hearing that was very surprising to me, but it really educated me about what it means to be confident. I don't know if this is making sense what I'm saying, but she has those parts that you're talking about. But at the end of the day, her essence truly is extremely confident. But, you know, someone listening, I think hopefully is hearing, you're never going to have it all the time. You're never going to always, it'll show up, but you'll go right back to center rather than the way I used to be. I would have an insecurity come up and not feel confident. And and Kelly Lynn, it would, it would take over my body. Like I would have a panic attack or I would feel so afraid or nervous, or I want to cry or run out of the room. And I don't think that would ever happen to me again. Now where I am. Yeah. And that's the opportunity of the work, right? When we talk about the inner work, it's limiting the downtime. Because guess what? Life is always going to life. It's life thing. And things are going to come up. So if we can limit the downtime and okay, things that used to make me snowball for two weeks, now maybe I'll snowball for two days (laughs) or things that would really disturb me or quote unquote trigger me that would take me out for five hours. Now I just let it take me out for an hour. I'm I, I allow myself to feel the feelings. Like you said, beat the pillow, take the bubble bath, reparent myself and relove that two year old little person. And so for me, Yes, that has been the work because we're always going to have something that disturbs us. And that's just a point of saying, Oh, here's, here's more work. <laughs> here, here it is. Here's a little deeper level. I mean, my relationship with surrender and trust <laughs> this past year, right? That's been an, another lesson of, of really and, and even loving on myself even deeper, even though I've been doing the self-love work for years. I think a lot of the listeners probably have been, right? It's like, oh, when am I going to 
quote unquote, learn the lesson. Like there's no final destination. The final destination is death. And then, you know. It's so frustrating. So annoying. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like, my God, can I just get there? If you beat another damn pillow and dance around one more time, I'm going to make the like, scream. <laughs> yeah. And also the opportunity here is too, is I also see how far I've come. I don't know about you, but it's like, wow, I actually, I wouldn't have handled that situation the same way that I handled it four years ago. Amen. Amen to that. Yeah. So as you're listening, pause, please, and give yourself a pat on the back and think right now. Let's have you think right now of something that you used to react to and now you respond or you used to react in a different way and now you're able to see it differently and feel differently in your body. Like just that alone is something to be super proud of because there are people who just say, look, it is what it is. I am who I am. I ain't going to change. Get over it. And they call that confidence. I am who I am. You have the problem. Get over it. And that a lot of people think that's confidence. That is complete insecurity. <laughs> that's not confidence. So what about that? Like we talked about what an embodied a woman with embodied confidence, how does she move through the world? You said she's grounded. She's centered. She is not as triggered by what we might call insecurities, et cetera. Let's talk about ways that we look or how we be when we're not confident. Because, you know, you might be listening thinking, I'm pretty damn confident. And then Kelly Lynn might say something. You're like, well, shit, maybe I'm not. Because I know one way I, I'll give you an example of myself. So I thought I was a really confident person because I was very confident in work and very confident in, in like speaking and Oh, I'll say the things that no one else will say. And I have no problem walking up to a stranger and da, 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 da. But yet we would, my husband and I, I don't like admitting this, but it's true. So if we were watching a movie and a beautiful woman, first of all, would be a trigger. If she started like taking her clothes off, I would look over quiet, like try not to be obvious. And I'd look to see if he was looking and how was he reacting? How was he responding? And Kelly Lynn, I would feel sick to my stomach or get like tight in my chest and I'd start panicking. It's a fucking movie. He's never going to see this person. He's a human being. He should probably be turned on by what he's saying. But that's a way that I was secretly not confident and nobody knew it. Even he didn't know until I finally told him. Yeah. So these are the cracks, right? Mm. These are the little ways. And I still have these things come up. Everyone does. These little ways secretly that we may hide, we may hold back, may suppress. And in those moments, like, that's where it's the work to be like, hey, why am I feeling this way? Like, and that's what I do. I always question the thought. And I also see where in my body it is. Like, what is it in my stomach? Is it in my chest? Like, and so it's getting honest with yourself and letting it be okay. <laughs> Right? Because if, if we don't allow it to be like, okay, I'm having this thought. Yeah. I'm judging myself against other women or society. It, then we suppress. And that's what I was doing for years. I would suppress. I would eat over it. I would have sex over it. I would shop over it. I would uh, mindlessly scroll on social media, like, and just catch myself in those. I mean, to me, they were addictions for me. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, okay, where is the opportunity to heal that? Cause it's coming from an, an unhealed place. It's a part and all parts are welcome, right? They talk about this in parts work. All parts are welcome. And can we allow it to be okay, but also then be really inquisitive of, okay, 
where is this and why is this showing up? Yeah, I think it's so important that you're saying that because the confidence is one thing. Let's just use me as an example, the lady in the movie. But what I hear you saying and what I know to be true from my training is that that feeling that I have has nothing to do with my husband finding someone attractive. That feeling in my body, I remember my coach said to me, what does this remind you of? Nothing. Jill, what does it remind you of? Like nothing. She goes, okay, ask your body now. And I I really tuned into my body and like, this is not gonna make sense. She goes, say it, what is it? I'm like, it makes no sense to my brain. But that feeling I get when I'm watching the movie and I see the woman and da 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 the feeling in my body reminds me exactly of how I felt as a child when my parents were arguing. And it was, it, so it was triggering abandonment. And I had no clue that that was even related. So how else would you describe not using yourself this time as an example w- with your clients or just looking out into the world? How else does lack of confidence show up that's not obvious? Like maybe talking too much or control or what else? Yeah, I think, like you said, the overconfident, like showing up being like, this is me, hear me roar, right? (laughs) Also, it's in the overworking. I have clients that you and I both know, we're one of our coaches said, overworking and underfeeling. The overworking to mask not being with the feeling in the body. I have clients like that, very high achieving clients, very successful clients from society standpoint. And they don't even know what's going on in their body. Yeah, you're right. Sorry to interject, but I just, I'm like being your client here. I'm thinking, okay, you're so right about that. Because the overworking, it's not coming from confidence. So of course it's a sign. When you first said overworking, I'm like, how is that connected to lack of confidence? Totally get it now. Because if I'm truly confident, I don't need to overwork to get shit from anybody because I already know I'm enough. Yeah. So good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talking about the worthiness, right? So it could be hiding, right? Just hiding, not being visible. I mean, those that's a common one, like not being on either social media or not going to networking event, like not being visible in your own life, whatever that looks like to you. And, you know, so it is, it's, and it's also not thinking that, like you said, I'm all healed. I don't need it. I've been doing self-love since 2000, 1998, whatever. <laughs> it's like, I've known this, you know, the, the expert and not the student. So that can be some of the ways that it shows up. And then also a lot of the very high-powered executives you think would be like, oh, great at presenting in front of the board, in front of exec- you know, other executives. Nope. Because guess what? The fear of judgment comes in as well. How am I not worthy? How am I not enough? I'm going to say something wrong. All of that, right? I, don't, I the term the whole imposter syndrome. I don't like that term. <laughs> it's the judgment and the uh, the worthiness. Like, who am I to speak? And what are they going to say about me? And all of that. That conversation. And I know we mentioned this earlier, but there is just such a lie that we buy into that I'm the only one that feels this way. Other women don't battle this. Other women feel totally confident. And then you talk to them and they're like, or you may even see them out and then you have as a client and they're they're a mess. Not really a mess, right? But you know what I'm saying? Like we we think that 
no one else, no other woman looks at her body and says this or thinks this. No other woman feels this way watching a movie with her husband. And I just said it and I bet you thousands of women are going, oh my God, I thought I was the only one who did that. Like, I think the first thing that you said that just as soon as we opened this show was probably a gift to so many people that everybody has something that they're dealing with when it comes to confidence. They just may not understand that it's actually confidence, lack of confidence. They think it's something else. Like, like you know, think of the women who are, like I used to be, like striving for perfection. And they look like their life is perfect on the outside. But the truth is they have no confidence. If they had confidence, they wouldn't have to be so perfect. Right? I was the most insecure person on the planet, Kelly Lynn. So insecure. And I had dinner in the crock pot by 10 a.m. You know, I was working as an ICU nurse and working three different jobs. I was growing a network marketing business on the side. I had a brownie troop for my daughter. With And of course, I wanted no help from anyone. I would do it myself. You know, I was volunteering. I was doing personal development. I was, and I was so, it looked so confident. I was speaking in front of thousands and thousands of people 8,000 people, I think, the first time. And I was so insecure. I was paranoid of what everybody thought of me down deep. I was so afraid of being abandoned. I wanted everybody to be my friend. I thought nobody liked me. I thought every time I spoke that I was saying the wrong thing. I thought I was too much, but I thought I was not enough. And and I'm saying that just to like out myself and say that it is such a tricky, sneaky thing, isn't it? Confidence. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's the overworking, right? Because it is the fear of abandonment, the fear of rejection, the fear of not being lovable, the fearing of I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough. I was doing very much similar to you. <laughs> it's still right, like the overworking, the over and it's like masking something. And I love what you said. Everyone has what I like to call like an Achilles heel. Everyone has something that they're working on or something that they're healing even deeper, like it, it, it just is. Or they should be. <laughs> or they should. Yeah. And, and, and that's everyone's choice, right? Like we all have a personal choice of, of our growth and evolution or not. Uh, I mean, we're always growing and evolving. And I love that you said that because in a sense, I believe this episode is giving women permission Right. To be like, ah, like I don't have to do it all myself. Cause that's also something that I struggle with too. <laughs> like letting go of control. And Kelly doesn't always have to do all the things, right? The different level, different. And so again, back to the self trust, back to the worthiness. Like, no, no, if it's up to me, it's got to be if it's up to me or whatever that phrase is. Oh, God. Can I just stop you a second? We used to say that in network marketing. If it's to yes. be, it's up to me. If it's to be, it's up to me. You know, I used to be in network marketing too. That's probably Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. We used to say that. Like, get the shit right. done yourself and stop thinking about other people coming along and helping you and giving you the answer. You know, look in the mirror and pull up yourself by your own bootstraps and get your shit done. That's what we used to say. And guess what? Right? Yes, that's a little bit of piece of radical responsibility. 100%. Some truth in that. And we look at some of the women today, me, myself, and I included when I was climbing that corporate ladder. It's like, no, I got it. I got it done. I, you know, I can handle it. Yeah, we can handle it. <laughs> and at what cost? 
right? And and so that's what we get to talk about. At what cost? Because you can. I have clients right now that they're trying to save the world on their own. It's like, can you slow down and be in your body and look at... Because that's also just a another tactic of avoiding the healing or the feeling and the embodiment and then not wanting to go back there, you know, in childhood or not want to relive, quote unquote, the trauma. Oh, I'm so glad you said this. Let's go there. Okay. So obviously the topic of this, this conversation is confidence and this is connected to that. It is a bit of a bunny trail, but it's totally connected. I want to talk about what you just said. I know so many people and I do not judge because I'm telling you it was me who, whether they are a stay-at-home mother or they're working whatever career, they are constantly busy. They have to be doing, like if they're not making a reel on social media, they are at a, a meeting for some committee they're on or they're volunteering for this or, and it's so rewarded in society and people say, wow, that's amazing. And they get, right, we talked about why they do it. But I would love for you to talk to that woman, like talk to her in particular, the woman who is go, 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 do, 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 achieve, 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 but she's not climbing a corporate ladder. You see what I'm saying? She listens to you and says, oh, that's not me because I'm stay-at-home mom. Judy, you're doing the same thing. You're doing the Girl Scout troop and you're on the PTO and you're volunteering as the room mom and you're the one hosting all the parties and you're doing this and you're doing that. Talk to her about why she's doing that. Yeah. So the version, this used to be me too. What are you hiding from? Why does it always have to be in motion? Because is it, is it validating your worthiness and your enoughness? Or if we go back to the inner parent work, maybe you had to be like that at five years old because your parents weren't there. And maybe you had to pick up the slack. That was my story, right? I had to get it done. My parents are divorced. And I raised my brother and my mom was working. My dad wasn't really around. Like I had to do it all, right? So maybe it's, did you have to do it all? That could be one potential possibility. And why are you doing it? Like that's where we get, is it? Like, why are you really doing it? Why are you really doing it? Do you need the love and validation? Can you not sit still? Do you not trust that if you don't do it, it won't get done? Yes, because we talked about the love validation piece, but the part you hit on a minute ago that was brilliant was about the numbing and avoiding. That's what I want you to talk about. Like, like the, I don't think a lot of people get, okay, maybe I'm trying to get, you know, pats on the back because it makes me feel good, whatever. But they don't get that the go, go, go is a way to avoid being in their body. Like, would you tell them about, the, explain that? Yeah, and that's the avoiding of how am I feeling? Because when we get... We, because maybe we don't want to be with our bodies. There's a lot of women with with body shame and body dysmorphia and body image issues. And rightfully so, <laughs> because of society, because of all the pressures that are put on us, created for us to look, be, you know, act, show up in a certain way. So it's really not our fault either. And it's like, can we be with our bodies? Can we love our bodies no matter what shape, no matter what size, no matter any, you know, dis-ease that is showing up, internal or external? That was another conversation with myself, right? I have an internal and external chronic illnesses. So how can I love myself even more 
right? To accept all parts of me, physically, emotionally, mentally, all parts, even the messy parts, even the ways that you avoid, even the ways that you maybe push or or so anxious, right? When we're doing all the things, we're anxious. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, I might hear that and go, here's the thing, no judgment of you, but I wasn't, when I'm busy, I'm not eating fast food three times a day, let alone ever. And I'm not doing what you just said, but yet they don't realize that when they're scrolling their phone uh, while they're making dinner and they're not present at all with their kids or their spouse or themselves, again, used to be me, they don't understand that that's the same thing. It's the same thing. So you talked about not wanting to be in your body because of like body dysmorphia or body shame, et cetera. But I know you also are trained on and you understand the part of she may subconsciously not want to be in her body because she doesn't want to feel anything. Like that could be two hour conversation, but we talk a little bit about that. Like, what does that mean? Like, why would someone who loves themselves and they have a great life, they don't have any body shame, there's none of that, but they're just do to do, go, 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 scrolling, busy. I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm on the phone, then I'm on TV, then I'm doing this. Why is it uncomfortable for them to just be off of everything and be quiet and be in their body? Yeah, because we don't want to feel. We're scared. What if something comes up? What if the uncomfortable feeling comes up? We don't want to feel that. It's kind of like (laughs) when you know you're in debt and you don't open the credit card statements. It's like, oh, I just, I don't want to look at, I don't, I know it subconsciously, right? Even with the body, subconsciously, I don't, I don't know if I want to go there. I'm glad you said subconsciously because there are people that are doing the credit card thing, right? With their body. Like, I just don't want to go there. But a lot of us, We don't even know, Kelly, that that's what we are doing. We're hearing this going, wait, what? So when I'm scrolling on my phone all the time while I'm watching TV, while I'm having a conversation, while I'm making dinner, I had no idea that I was doing that because I am trying to stay out of my body. Like they think this is a foreign language right now we're speaking, but you and I both know that's exactly what's happening. They don't want to be quiet enough to feel anything. And it's not conscious. It's not let me numb so I don't feel. It's, I just like scrolling. I like to multitask. I'm a type A. But but the truth is subconsciously, right? Their body is like, I can't handle this. Yeah. And what I learned in my training around trauma-informed, and it's like the two-year-old that has the tantrum. They're not suppressing. They're just having the experience. They're having the tantrum and then they self-regulate themselves. And as adults, right, we suppress. I can't have the tantrum right now. And we suppress and maybe we don't feel the feelings and that that becomes a, a new normal because the feelings may be uncomfortable. The feelings are uncomfortable sometimes. <laughs> and, and can we be with that? Because we get to also self-regulate. It's like, it's cleaning the pipe right? So the pipe doesn't get clogged. Mm, I love what you're saying. Yeah. So I'm frustrated in traffic. I'm angry. I'm triggered. I'm pissed off about something. I'm stressed about like a cancer diagnosis of someone in my family or something. Someone just passed away. It feels so awful. And what you're saying is pause and get it out of you like the toddler throwing the tantrum. Because if you don't, it's just going to get stuffed down and it's going to become a habitual thing where when you don't want to feel something, you grab your phone or you grab the cheeseburger. Is that what you're saying? Yes. And 
it could also lead into physical ailments within the body Mm. if we keep suppressing it and don't feel it. And why is that? Again, body keeps score, right? I'm no doctor. But if we are keeping all this suppression, it's like, and then we blow up, right? The body needs to release. It needs to let go. It it needs to heal. And the body is, was it self-serving, self-healing, self-healing in a sense. So absolutely. We get to end if you... If you're sitting in traffic, scream in the car. I mean, if there's no people in there, right? I I used to do this in corporate. I used to get literally humiliated in front of people, in front of meetings, all this gaslighting, manipulation, all this stuff going on. And I used to go in the bathroom and hide in the stalls and cry (laughs) and cry. And then I was, I would get home and then really, right, regulate myself and feel, but what that does, it actually helps you because it's, it, you're releasing. You need a release because if you don't, you just keep suppressing and suppressing. And then all the things oh, we do over it, whether you're scrolling on social media and it can cause dis-ease in the body. So glad you said that. Yeah. Yeah. We're trying to get all the right supplements, but we don't realize that it's just us not letting our feelings come out. I remember someone taught me feeling is healing. Like seven or eight years ago, I had this woman I started working with. I was like, what are you talking about? And she was like, Jill, like you being achy and being sick, what you're doing right now is your body is releasing what you have never let yourself process. Mm. So let yourself, the next time you're upset, let yourself do what you did, go in the bathroom and cry. Let yourself feel it rather than stuffing it down. And I just, I didn't get that. And now I, I so get that. I so get that. And I didn't get that either. Like I knew it was a thing before being trauma-informed now, it's like, now I get to, I get angry, I cry. It's like a weekly, (laughs) it's like brushing my teeth, taking a shower to manage my own emotions and and releasing and getting it out and somatic practices and being with my body still in the work will always be. And it's, it's just a deeper level now it gets to be in my, and listen, the listeners like, I don't have any time for that. Right. But it's, it's the same thing as Okay. If you eating habits, right? They say, okay, well, you can eat crappy and then <laughs> in the end, right? You'll be on medication or you can eat healthier and avoid that. Right. So it's, it's that conversation of can you, and again, 1% shifts here, you know, it's a totally, you know, go down the rabbit hole of it, but it's 1% shifts of how can you even just be with your body and feel the feelings just a little bit deeper than yesterday. Yeah, it could simply just be when you take a shower in the morning, you don't have your phone in there and you just hold your hand on your heart, other hand on your belly button and you just quiet and you breathe and that's it. And you cry a little bit if that's what comes up, right? That alone is is what Kelly's talking about when she says like clean out the pipes. That's what she means. It doesn't have to be this formal situation where you're doing this, you know, There is so much somatic release that happens in just breathing and taking a shower (laughs) or dancing or doing yoga. It doesn't have to be, because I thought, Kelly, it had to be like how I see it on Instagram and it has to be so, and it does not, but it's so important. So as far as confidence, what would you say about why every woman deserves to, to really, really feel, experience and embody confidence? Like, why does she deserve that? Because we're always looking at everybody else. 
Like what I do this because it helps everybody else. And we're always being taught to be martyrs. But what are like the pros of being a truly confident woman? Like, what does it do for you? Yeah. I mean, bottom line is your birthright. Mm. If you just think of, again, going back to your two-year-old self, it's your birthright. I have a four-year-old niece and I watch her. She's so confident. She doesn't care. She doesn't care if her ponytail's messed up. She doesn't care if she has dirt because she was eating dirt and sticks outside. She doesn't care because she's just innately her. That's it. That's it. Yeah, I'm like, have tears right now. Yeah. So we get to remember that. And I'm going to go back to listen to this podcast to listen to my own words. <laughs> and we get to remember this, right, Jill? We get to remember this every single day. Every single day. Whether you need to just, like you said, hand over heart, hand on your belly so your nervous system and your body is safe and you know that and embody that. Or you write a letter and you read it every day to yourself. Or you take a picture of you at five years old, two years old, whatever. Or your nieces, nephews, your children. Whatever it takes to just be in the remembrance of it. Yeah, it's your birthright. It's your birthright and it's daily work. It's daily remembrance. Daily, like a shower, like brushing. Daily. We innately know and we just forget. That's all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think there's anything else to say. That This was such a beautiful conversation. It was so, it was so great and so needed. So I introduced you in the very beginning and obviously in the episode notes, everyone can find all the things. But if you're like me, I never look at the show notes. <laughs> so how can they find you? How can they learn more from you and connect with you? Yeah. So just head on over to my website, kellylynnadams.com. I'm on all the socials and that's that's it. And there's no E, K-E-L-L-Y. Yes. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kelly Lynn. I so appreciate this. Thank you. It's been an honor and a pleasure just to be on this podcast and to serve. 